Hey, man, is that the Rock News Weekly Podcast? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. This is Rock News Weekly. Every week, we bring you all the latest headlines in rock, metal, indie, grunge, alt, and classic rock news. This week's new releases, this week in music history trivia, movies, pop culture, and more. Now on to this week's episode. This week on the Rock News Weekly Podcast, week of November 20th, 2023, season five, episode number 45. This week, we talk about Jay Weinberg making his first official statement since being outed from Slipknot. Sammy Hagar recruits Joe Satriani and announces the best of all worlds tour to focus on his catalog with Van Halen. When We Were Young announces their 2024 lineup with a special performing an album in its entirety theme and more. Plus, this week in rock and roll history trivia, weekly WTF, and so much more. Everything's up at rocknewsweekly.com. Watch us live at twitch.tv slash rocknewsweekly and on demand, youtube.com at rocknewsweekly. That's right. It's time for the Rock News Weekly podcast. What's up, everybody? Chris here as well as David. How's it going, man? Howdy ho, howdy ho. Uh, big plans for Thanksgiving? Are you staying in town? What are you doing? I'm going to stay. Yeah, we're staying in town. Going to have... I don't know if my brother's going to come. My sister's planning on coming and then some friends. Like nice. Up, so. Right on. Yeah. So you're not going to do, are you, you're not going to travel and go to anywhere. Uh, you, you guys are hosting. Yeah, we're hosting. Ooh. How about you, Chris? Well, we're going to Las Vegas. We're going to be traveling. Um, my sister's um, uh, husband's father is hosting us and he's got a nice little place there and he wanted to do it for the first time and. So we're heading to Sin City. Yeah, you're gonna gonna satisfy uh, Cardinal Deadly Cardinal That's Sin right. number three. That's right. Gluttony, gluttony, lust, lust. And, um, I don't know. Gambling is gambling a sin? Uh, it, it, well, if you're Mormon. <laughs> Otherwise, okay. I think it's okay. It's not one of the seven deadly ones. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. What are the other ones? Uh, um, Vanity. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, vanity. That's I guess greed, it would fall under greed, right? Yeah. For for gambling. Yeah. All right, well, (laughs) anyway, enough about the seven deadly sins. Uh, Let's get into the prep because we got. We'll wait for the uh, album names (laughs) for that one. (laughs) That's right. It could be coming up today. All right, so uh, let's talk about all the stuff this week, including Jay Weinberg making his first official statement since being kicked out of Slipknot, Sammy Hagar recruiting Joe Satriani for his uh, Best of All Worlds Van Halen tour. Uh, when We Were Young, their 2024 lineup, we'll go over all that stuff. Everything's up, rocknewsweekly.com. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all at Rock News Weekly. Check us out wherever you got your podcast. We're on Amazon, Audible, all that good stuff. First up, When We Were Young, Saturday, October 19th, 2024, at the Las Vegas Festival Grounds. So here's the theme that they're doing. These are going to be all full albums that they're going to be doing. So all of these bands, check it out. We got My Chemical Romance doing The Black Parade, A Day to Remember doing Homesick, Dashboard Confessional doing Dusk and Summer, Simple oh Plan. So it's like all these bands are going to be doing some of their biggest albums um, in its entirety. So every single band, that's going to be their set list. So, uh, so I mean, I guess the question I have is, is it a surprise? Or no, no. Is it weird of me to be surprised that Dashboard Confessional is still around? <laughs> no, it's not weird of you to be surprised that they're one. Of, I'm, oh wow! It's that's, it's that's weird. Uh, a lot of these bands, man. Look at these guys that are coming out of the woodwork, like Not a Surf, 
I mean, yeah, I, not a, I really like not a surf. I actually. do too, but yeah. I haven't seen anything or heard from them in like two decades. Uh, a lot of these bands, like State Champs, Thursday, um, some of these yeah, old ones, Thursday, the Wonder Years, some of these old ones, Hawthorne Heights. They were huge in the early 2000s. Well, I mean, this when when we were young, this is yep. very this is geared towards the nostalgia. Yeah. yeah, it's the young younger demo. Um, I guess the millennial and zenial. It's those who can buy concert tickets. <laughs> When you were young. They're old enough to have a job <laughs> yeah. now. Remember when job. you were young and you didn't. No, but yeah, so that's that's the um, the, the theme there. It's all one day, though. So, I mean, man, it's going to be jam-packed. Um, Wait, where is this? Las, Las Vegas. Vegas, yeah. Gosh, all the good things. That's yeah. one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> Nostalgia. <laughs> that's right. It should be. Um, so, yeah, th- that's on sale now, guys. When we were young, festival.com if you're interested for next year. Uh, speaking of next year in tours, Crush the World Latin America Tour, Megadeth just announced. Uh, he's he's going to be hitting up a bunch of dates in South America and Mexico. And he says, this is Dave Mustaine of Megadeth, quote, I always get excited because there's something truly different about South America. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, they come by it naturally. And I got to agree, whenever I see like video footage of concerts from South America... Uh, when you see bands like this, like Megadeth, ACDC, whatever, rock bands especially, their crowds are just insane, man. They're just yeah. super passionate and, like, super excited. Uh, so that's going to be some some good shows there. Chile, Uruguay, Sao Paulo. Wow, that looks great. Yeah, pretty pretty extensive. Yeah, here's a, a lot of the uh, Brazil, Colombia, uh, and then they finish up in Mexico, it looks like, so... Cool little short tour in the month of April, but man, you guys in the South America region and Mexico are getting some pretty awesome shows. Uh, I saw some other uh, shows in the area. Now, what's his name from Megadeth that uh, was in Japan? Oh, that was the um, the guitarist, the other original guitarist. The original guitarist, but yes. he's no longer, so he won't be joining them. No, I don't think so. Too bad. Um, no, they have a younger guitarist um, that's been filling in for um, their main guitarist, a younger guy. I forget his name, but he's doing pretty good. Anyway, another tour that was announced, uh, Judas Priest announcing their North American tour with special guest Sabaton. Uh, 14 days have been announced. This is mostly East Coast dates. What uh, grabs my attention is this Welcome to Rockville date. That's a Danny Wimmer Presents Festival, which puts on Aftershock. And so I always like to speculate whenever I see bands pop up on some of his other festivals. Oh, I see. Aftershock could be in the cards. And even more so for this count that this is all East Coast dates. No West Coast for Judas Priest, so it would make total sense that they would be at Aftershock for the West Coast part of that tour, right? Mm, and yeah. maybe hitting up uh, Aftershock Festival uh, at the end of October. So you heard it here first. I'm speculating that Judas Priest, maybe Sabaton as well, will be you, there at you Aftershock. you ever seen Judas Priest before? I've seen them many times. Yeah, they're, they're killer. I actually saw them the first time was when I was in Canada in 2004, and one of my uh, classmates uh, in my class convinced me to go. He's like, you got to see it. Halford's back with the band first time in i don't know 12 or 14 years or whatever it was is that the beginning of your your love of all, all <laughs> it things. was well because was uh, all all things metal yeah right? i didn't really get into seeing a lot of uh, heavy metal until i went to college and then after that i was in a metal band here locally um after high school and leading oh. leading up to college so i started kind of ex- playing experimenting with all of that and then, yeah, that was the first like true heavy metal show that you I saw. saw. It was an inspirational. I was 21. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was. That's and cool. uh, Judas Priest, I, I didn't know the significance of that tour, but it was the first tour with Rob Halford back in the band. And then I learned all the history about Judas Priest and how you know he was with them until 1990, 
uh, left the band, and then he came back in 2004. And so I saw that tour, that first tour where he was back, and everybody was really stoked about it. He sounded great. It was great. Well, then I hope you're right about the aftershock. I, I hope so, too. Prognostication. Yeah. Uh, so we'll uh, put the positive thoughts out there in the universe and make it happen. Um, Here's something positive. Yeah, not something positive. <laughs> uh, let's turn on a dime here. Heartbroken and blindsided, says Jay Weinberg, as he finally responds to Slipknot's ousting. So this kind of happened over the weekend. Um, over their social media accounts, Slipknot um, announced that longtime drummer Jay Weinberg was out of the band. And I guess it was a shock to him. They didn't even let him know. They just broke the news on social media. Um, he's been in the band now for a decade after... You know, the near impossible job of replacing Slipknot founding member, drum legend Joey Jordanson. Great drummer. And uh, I thought Jay Weinberg was doing a great job, but I guess uh, Slipknot had other thoughts. Weird. So he's broken his silence about it. He made a post on his personal Instagram and he says, I sometimes wonder what it would be like to pay a visit to my wide eyed 10 year old self, falling head over heels in love with a new and exciting sound and culture and tell him all about the last 10 years. Even on the hardest days, I'd like to think he'd be stoked about the adventure that was in store for him. I was heartbroken and blindsided to receive the phone call I did on the morning of November 5th, the news of which most of you learned shortly after. However, I've been overwhelmed and truly grateful for the outpouring of love and support I received from this incredible community I consider to be my creative and artistic home. Uh, he goes on to say, This is not the ending to a journey I dreamt of and committed myself to seeing through, not by a long shot, but... Despite the confusion and sadness, there is something that provided an equal amount of comfort. And for many of you reading this, 10 years ago, we weren't yet acquainted. And now we are. For that, I'm thankful in ways I'll never be able to fully express. I love playing the drums. I always love playing the drums. I'll always have a passion for music, art, creative expression. Nothing will ever change that. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I look forward to creating loud, passionate, heartfelt music that we enjoy together again. Until then, please know it's been a joy of a lifetime to spend the last 10 years with you. Sharing in our love for the special corner of music and art world. This isn't the end, and I'm thrilled to discover what the future has in store for us. Thank you. End quote. So what do you think what of that? What a sweetheart. It's a very nice, nice yeah, quote. Heartfelt nice, quote. Nice, heartfelt quote. Um, so, but it's also, he doesn't say anything, doesn't about, say anything about why. Why yeah. or what's going on. So you got to wonder. Makes you wonder, know. yeah. Yeah. Also, every time something like this happens, and I have to like think about the names of people in Slipknot, Kind of, kind of removes some of the magic. <laughs> it does, right? Because right? it humanizes a, them. Yeah, they're humans like a real instead person. of monsters, you know? Right, yeah. That's very true, and that's part of that illusion, right? Yeah, yeah. That's definitely true. So, I very, very, I mean, really, the art aspect of it is yeah, very high. So Definitely. It's, it's, it's all kind of a, a theater uh, experience in a lot of ways. All right, well, hopefully he'll find his uh, next project. I'm wishing the best, you know? Yeah. Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, Jason Bonham, and Joe Satriani, the best of all worlds well, 2024 tour. So this is a big one for a lot of Van Halen fans. A lot of people have been waiting uh, since the passing of Eddie Van Halen. Figure out what they were going to do. Um, his son, Wolfgang, doesn't really want to do anything right now, understandably. He's doing his own thing. Maybe he'll you know get to it in his own time. But it looks like Sammy, after his 76th birthday uh, this past year, got inspired and says he doesn't know how long he's going to be able to do it and wants to hit the road. So here are these tour dates. It's kicking off July 13th, West Palm Beach, Florida. We're getting a couple in California, August 16th and 17th. They're in Concord. Wheatland and Concord, Toyota Amphitheater and Toyota Pavilion. Um, we will have tickets on 105.7 The Bear for that. Um, so here's the story. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Sammy Hagar 
embarking on the long-awaited Best of All Worlds tour, joined by, as I mentioned, all those great musicians. Joe Satriani, one of the best guitar players in the world, is going to be uh, comp- completing the band. Uh, it's going to be a pretty big tour, 28 dates. Loverboy is the opening band, which is, to me, I don't know. I feel like that's pretty <laughs> cheesy, and like I feel like they could have got a better band than that to be an opening band. I get that they're doing the whole 80s yeah, thing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's very thematic. It's right? very 80s, you know, I get it, but I feel like that that's, I don't know, a mismatch in a way. They must be good friends with Sammy, I'm guessing. I don't really know. I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on there. You think the energy wouldn't match? It's not that the energy, I feel like, um, just that they have so few hits. That Loverboy, like, they uh, literally okay. have, like, maybe one or two. I can't even think off the top of my head what their big hit is. Uh, but it's And it's very, like, synth driven 80s kind of pop pop rock yeah and i i I get the van halens along those lines in some ways but i feel like i don't know it's just kind of a a mismatch there creative like sound wise energy wise no i think it's probably a good fit and especially era wise but maybe the first song that that van halen will play is jump (laughs) and that'll transition really well well (laughs) no see so he's actually showing some of the songs that they're going to be diving into jump is not one of them so if you look on here they have a lot of the, the tracks. They have Running With The Devil. They have Ain't Talking About Love. They have some old ones, but very few. So they're trying to do all eras. A lot of this is the Sammy Hagar era stuff. Yeah, yeah, Heavy yeah. Metal, I Can't Drive 55. That's a Which Sammy Hagar sense. solo yeah. track. Yeah, yeah, that's... So it's not... And they are no doing David Panama. Lee Roth in there, of course. They're doing Panama, so they got Running With The Devil, Panama, Ain't Talking About Love. So they are doing some of the old school ones, but then they got some of the ones from the 90s, like Pound Cake, Heavy Metals from the 80s, Rock Candy, that's a Sammy song. So some of this stuff, it's, it's all over the place, and that's why it's called Best of All Worlds. So I, I kind of like that approach that it's not trying to be a straight-up Van Halen tribute or anything like that. Uh, and here's the story behind it. Um, he says uh, they, they were talking on Howard Stern about this this past week. It's a great interview, too. Uh, I'd recommend you check it out. They said, quote, There's stuff we're going to do on this tour we haven't played since that tour in 2004. That was the last time they toured together doing Van Halen stuff. So uh-huh. it's been 20 years. Uh, they're talking about Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing in it, and Joe Satriani says, quote, There are things so iconic you have to nail it, but if you go deep with what he did live, he never played the same thing twice. He kept evolving, kept pushing. It's a daunting task when you dive deep into what he did, but it's a good to start at the beginning, and then you learn all his little improvs, and you get the idea of what he was trying to do. It's thrilling. It's fun. So it's pretty crazy that he's even attempting a lot of this stuff. Uh, Eddie Van Halen uh, is well-known in the guitar world that, a lot of his stuff is very hard to replicate. And for Joe Satriani to be even attempting a lot of this stuff is pretty admirable. And it would be definitely worth trying to see live because it's about as badass close guitar playing as you're going to get, you know, to some of that Van Halen stuff. So, yeah, he says, we were at my birthday bash in Cabo. He's talking about him and Michael Anthony for my 76 and looked at each other and high fived and said, let's do it. And so there you go. That's kind of the history there. So that's going to be a good tour. I think that's a good one uh, and maybe a, a good way to kind of end the Van Halen legacy on a positive note for Sammy's era, at least. You know, David Lee Roth, I don't know about him. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. He's, uh, he's on another planet, man. Um, speaking of guys on another planet, Getty Lee. Uh, Getty Lee of Rush releasing his memoir. It's called My Effin' Life. It's the follow-up to his Getty Lee's Big Beautiful Book of Bass in 2018. This is different. This is more focused on his life. It's a 512-page book from his upbringing in Toronto as the child of Holocaust survivors to the present day, including the death of Rush drummer Neil Peart in 2020. 
and the time he's spending now as a grandfather. So pretty neat. I, I imagine he's got a pretty cool story to tell um, that a lot of people probably don't know. He says, quote, I was reluctant to do such a book. I was always looking forward. I led my life trying to reach out. I just look at my life as being filled with some unfinished business. I don't know what that business was. I just know there was more to do, and it seemed to slow you down and spend so much time looking behind you. And besides, I thought, I'm way too young to do this kind of thing. But a few things changed my thinking. So, and that's uh, the beginning of that. Oh, yeah, and this is a pretty cool thing that I want to bring up as well. He's doing a tour, um, which is pretty cool, book signing tour. He's going to be in San Francisco at the Masonic coming up in, um, on the 26th of this month. But something that really caught my attention was this right here. He's launching a four-part docuseries, Getty Lee Asks, Are Bass Players Human Too? And it's going to premiere <laughs> December 5th on Paramount Plus and features episodes with Les Claypool of Primus, Nirvana's Chris Novoselic, Metallica's Robert Trujillo, and Melissa Oftermeyer of Hole and Smashing Pumpkins. And that's I'm really interested in yeah, seeing that, that docu series. Yeah. So that sounds really cool. Um, four part docu series. Getty Lee asks, "Are bass players human too?" I love that. Bass players always get in the shaft, you know. <laughs> you see a lot of jokes about bass players and stuff online. So he's one of the best, and I'm glad he's championing championing the uh, bass players out there. So looking forward to that. Um, all right. This was cool. I don't know if you heard about this. First full length biography of this guy named Mal Evans. Have you heard of Mal Evans? No. Well, apparently, he's a big part of the Beatles. And he's got this book now. It's called Living Living the Beatles Legend, The Untold Story of Mal Evans by Beatles scholar Kenneth Womack. Written in full participation of his family, it's the first in-depth look at a life of an indispensable part of the Beatles' history. He started as one of the band's roadies, went on to become a confidant as well as a contributor to their music. He played the anvil for Maxwell's Silver Hammer, the tambourine on Dear Prudence, trumpet on Helter Skelter, and more, and offered lyrics uh, for several song suggestions. He's uh, particularly visible in Peter Jackson's Get Back docuseries and later worked privately for uh, Paul McCartney. I had no idea about him, right? Yeah. It's pretty pretty interesting. So um, I guess uh, Womack was recruited for the project by Evans' son, Gary Evans, on the recommendation of Simon Weitzman, who's been working on a documentary about him. Tells us about the best part of doing the project was being given access to his extensive diaries, as well as the manuscript for a memoir that's slated for publication during the 70s. And they say about him, here, here's a cool quote. I've been thinking of him lately as the Beatles' first historian. He kind of realized earlier than most that this was going to be really important someday, right? Uh, Someday, right? So quite early on, he's saving receipts, documents, keeping the diary from 1963, filing notebooks, whip points, and discoveries about the Beatles, taking all those photographs, more than they could ever use for the books or any of those outlets. So he was really acting in kind of a historical fashion. He was a pack rat. Uh, I see. But he was a pack rat with a purpose. Well, because I was thinking, you know, looking at that photo. Yeah. I'm like, man, that is a cool photo. I know, right? And then you think about it, it's like, well, he had a lot to choose from. Probably. Yep. He was doing that kind of and stuff. And th- he realized the significance of the band, and, uh, and he was documenting it all. So very cool. I'd love to read that or check that out. So. Um, it says Evans was fatally shot January 5th, 1976 in Los Angeles during a domestic disturbance. He was 40 years old. Kind of crazy. He wow. was a, yeah, so anyway. Was it, was it his uh, girlfriend? I don't know, I guess. It must have been if it's domestic, but I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll have to read the book. <laughs> anyway, we've got some birthdays to get to, so let's do it. <laughs> Okay. 
All right, birthday time. David, take it away. All righty. Martin Barr? I guess. Barry, maybe? Barr, Barr A, Barry? Guitarist of Jethro Tull. 77 years old. Happy birthday. Kirk Hammett, lead guitarist of Metallica, is 61. Matt Sorum, music... Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, formerly of Guns N' Roses and now of Velvet Revolver, is 63. He does not look like a 63-year-old. I know. That's an, a recent photo. That's fo- that's recent. Wow, yeah. he looks like uh, younger than me. <laughs> no. Darn. <laughs> All right. Uh, James J.Y. Young, singer and guitarist of Styx, is 74. 74. <clears throat> Chad Kroger uh, of Nickelback, 49 years old. That's it for birthdays this week. Wow. Not too many. All right, let's get to some trivia, huh? All right, this week in rock and roll history trivia, way back in 1979, this musician is released from prison. He was doing time, short amount of time, for tax evasion, income tax evasion. Who was it? Was it A, Johnny Cash, B, James Brown, C, Chuck Berry, or was it D, Prison Yard Crosby and the Cocaine Smuggling Seagulls of Alcatraz? Wow. D. D. Confidently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Prison Yard Crosby. Well, it, yep. could, it could definitely, definitely be Prison Yard Crosby. Uh, he, he smuggled all that money yeah. from those performances, and the IRS caught up with him. And he was always, like, in a car doing some crimes right. somewhere in San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Prison Yard Crosby. All right. Let's go with it. Correct. Oh, Chuck Charles Berry. Berry. Chuck Berry was sentenced to four months in prison under the charges of $200,000 worth of unpaid taxes. At that time, that's quite a bit, right? He was also required to complete 1,000 hours of community service. Uh, he did a bunch of benefit concerts. Local promoters paid in cash. This became cause for the IRS to be skeptical of Berry. Tax returns uh, accusing him of officially of income tax evasion. He pled guilty to the charges and received a reduced sentence. He served out his sentence at Lompoc Prison Camp in Southern California. During his time there, Chuck Berry intended to write his autobiography, which was later published in 1987. He brought his guitar, writing materials, and two dictionaries with him into his cell. So there you go. Um, all right, some new rock and metal albums for the week. We don't have I don't have my um, my updated time thing, so you can just take your time with this. David, if you're right. Okie dokie. All right. So, dang, I was trying to figure. I, 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 I just, I just felt so strongly that uh, about Chuck Berry prison looks Crosby. Oh. so much like. What is his name? I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> Golly, Chuck Another Berry. Musician? Chuck, yeah, he looks just like a rapper. But I can't remember his name right now. He's he's oh. Dave Chappelle's favorite rapper. Um, I can't think of his name. Oh. um... Not, um, I think I know who you're talking it's about. It's driving me crazy right now. I can't think of his name. It's not KRS One. No, uh, no, no. Uh, I mean, really, the, the likeness is striking. <laughs> yeah. I'll think of it in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to hold oh, things no, up, but I was like okay. looking it up real quick. I was like, dude. All right. Um, Eternus is coming out with Philosopher, Altars of the Moon, The Colossus and the Widow, Bad Sons, Infinite Joy, Bassoon. Succumbent. Now that's a name. Bassoon, huh? Bassoon. Bewitcher, Deep Cuts, and Shallow Graves. Bull Elephant, The Long War. Um, Cabracon of uh, is coming out with Aslan. Care of the Night, Reconnected. Celeste, Epilogues. 
Chained to Death, Discography of Debauchery. Oh, that's one of the seven deadly sins. Condemned, <laughs> Demonium, Cruel Fate, Destined Cruel, Cynic, Uroboric, Forms, DGM Life, Earthside, Let the Truth Speak, Elitist, A Merge of Grandeur, Grave and Sin, Veil of the Gods, Grid Failure, Shards in the Wire, Hyperia, The Serpent Cycle, Nail Within, Sound of Demise, Norectomy, oh, that one sounds cool. Overwrought. <laughs> <coughs> Plague Mace. Reptilian Warlords. Plain White Tees. Plain White Tees. Post Prophet. Self Defeater. Race Trader. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, I like Race Trader. They're good. They're good. Anti, anti, um, anti racist. Yeah. Like yep. uh, punk band. Creation and the Timeless Order of Things. Rank and Vile. Worship. Ritual Clearing. M. Penitence. Robots of the Ancient World. 3737. Sadus, the shadow inside. Sodom. Oh, look at that. 1982, <laughs> my birth year. And Soul a, a Driver. Seven Deadly Sin, I think. Yeah, one of the. Yeah, <laughs> right? Sodomy, right? Uh, Soul Driver, Return Me to Light. Temic, Terror Management Theory. Texas in July, Without Reason. Unwell, Trial and Error. Venus, Obscured Until Observed. That's a good one. Windwalkers, What If I Break, and Winger. Chapter 1, The Atlantic Years, 1988 to 1993. Remember Stuart from Beavis and Butthead would wear those winger yeah, shirts? winger shirts. Yeah. yeah. They said, like, I remember there was a quote where the lead singer of the band said something like, that show, like, ruined our ruined career. Ruined our career. <laughs> like, ruined oh, us. Oh, man. Like, everybody hated them, and they would get all this, like, hate mail and tank their album sales. Well, maybe the new uh, Beavis and Butthead will, will replay yeah, on that that's right. help Winger out. Yeah, that's right. They should just or rectify that. Come on, that. Mike Judge. <laughs> All right, David Letterman, returning to the late show. Check this out. Really? Uh, only for one day. Oh. Yeah, I know. Got your hopes up. Nope. Uh, Monday, Stephen Colbert is going to interview him. So by the time you guys are hearing this, Monday, November 20th, that's probably today when you're hearing this, check it out tonight uh, because it's going to be an exclusive interview, his first time. Um, since he left, that he's going to be doing an interview in the studio. He hosted the CBS show all the way until May of 2015. So he hasn't been back since. So pretty cool. I guess he, uh, I was reading this, it said Colbert mailed his, um, uh, mailed it to uh, him a piece of the original floor as a Christmas gift, a floor of the studio. Very nice. Uh, to David Letterman. So very You cool. know, I have to say, since the writer's strike, you really do see how uh, the late show sort of inframes civilization in yeah. some ways, right? It's like this this moment at the end of the day where you go kind of like, even if you didn't watch it that day, making light of all of the crap that's going yes, on yes. helps a lot. It's cathartic, it's, right? It's very therapeutic. So. Um, uh, John Oliver, Maybe it's too. a bad thing, though, in some ways. Maybe in a we way. should just be pissed off. <laughs> it's nice to, to have it in mad, a, a, you know? a nice and a condensed kind of like, you know, funny outlook on things. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, all you can do help. is laugh, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. So, yes, check that out on uh, tonight. This was sad. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend. Oh, no. Dana Carvey's son, uh, Dex Carvey, passed away on Wednesday at the age of 32. Oh, that's way too young. Yeah. Um, it was apparently an accidental drug overdose. The couple added that Dex was a beautiful person and that they will miss him forever. They want to make sure that their son's death is not in vain and hopes that this will bring attention to family members that need help and support. It says, quote, to anyone struggling with addiction or who loves someone struggling with addiction, you are in our hearts and prayers and you are not in this alone, Dana and Paula wrote. So super sad, but a good way of bringing uh, light 
uh, to those things, you know, that we all need to think about. Sometimes we have family members or friends that could be in that situation. So reach out to them. Let them know they're not alone, you know. Uh, all right. News from around the world. A couple more stories. The deal is done. Ah, the deal is done. Ah. I know you're an Oakland uh, fan, David. So what do you feel about this? The uh, Oakland A's moving to Las Vegas. Well, it's all part of the the degradation of American life. <laughs> That's right. Everything's Everyone's going to Las Vegas. That's now. right. I'm going there for Thanksgiving. Right? The Oakland A's are going there. Yeah. It's all falling apart. All they had to do was remove the uh, restriction on gambling and sports, <laughs> and then everything just sucks towards Las Vegas. This is really, if we were getting down to it, though, this was really Oakland dropping the ball in their city, and their, uh, you know, it was for years people were saying this was going to happen. The stadium was falling into disarray. The team was approaching bankruptcy in a lot of ways. And yeah. So it was just. Well, it's crazy because you think about it, it's like, Never before has Oakland and the area been wealthier, you know? Right. The wealthier it gets, the more regular people can't live there. And, Isn't that crazy how that know? happens? <laughs> it's just, and then things like this fall apart. So, Yep. Well, I, I indict capitalism on this I know. One, so. I know. It's horrible. But Las Vegas, hey, they're picking up the slack, and they... They wanted a sports team, so yeah, yeah. Well, they're gonna have like they got one. I was listening to something the other day that said that probably within the next decade they'll have all the major sports. They will, yeah. Basketball's they'll next. Have a team. Yeah, basketball's next, and then that'll be it. Or baseball, I guess too. Yeah, well, baseball. here's well, this one. Right? Oh yeah, baseball. Yeah, yeah. Baseball's yeah. done. Basketball's basketball. Next. Hockey. Hockey is hockey. already there. Oh yeah, they do have, huh? Uh, and then now they got they got football. Football. Too. Yeah. So they, they got all the bases Oakland. covered. But they can't have our. They, they will not have our Warriors. That's right. No. Don't you they dare come That's San Francisco Warriors. now. That's San right? Francisco, San Francisco, too, Francisco sucked so. it in. So. Yeah, they, they absorbed them. All right. All right, here we go, guys. First electric air taxi. Who's who's going to get on it? Not me. <laughs> if you ever wanted to fly over gridlock, well, you're going to have to go to New York for this. This is a Joby brand. I've never heard of this. Joby. No, I bet you it's self-driven. Right? <laughs> oh, even better. Right. right? <laughs> Joby Aviation. Um, so they're trying to reduce travel time from Manhattan to JFK Airport from over an hour to seven minutes. It says, we're grateful for the city's support. Honored to be working with visionary partners like Delta Airlines to bring our air taxi service to this market. We plan to make <clears throat> a quiet, emissions-free flight affordable, everyday reality for New Yorkers. Aviation air taxi, notably much quieter, traditional helicopter, Quiet as a regular conversation. Oh, give me a break. It can also fly up to 100 miles on a single charge. So what do you think? You think that's... Yeah, no thanks. It's, it looks like <laughs> it's going to be the future, man. I don't um, know. The, I mean, I know I've heard of this. Is like a, The plan is to make, um, and this is something in my field that they, they look at, and then is to make the travel in urban spaces an integrated fabric. Of, of you know just thousands of crafts wow that are tracked right both you know on along all three axes yeah and they're tracked in a way so that they can travel at different levels at different speeds and whatever and it's all planned out yep. and uh well at least not planned out but tracked in a way sort of in the same way that gps works where you have different satellites yeah. Uh, orbiting the Earth at different speeds at different times, and then the signal helps you like, to know uh, air, where things are. Air traffic control, yeah, that kind of stuff. I well, that it, it's a, it's I can't remember the word. They, they use an acronym for it, but the, it has something to do with integrated digital fabric or something. Wow. So it's like 
It's all woven together, and all the drones are moving, dropping off your packages, and all the you know whatever. And the the idea is that it would be automated. Wow! So that's pretty. There you go. That's the plan. That's the beginning, huh? I mean, I don't know if Joby here is automated. It does. I I think Joe Ben drives it. (laughs) Mister Bevert. Joe Ben Bevert. Yep. Good old, he's like, you know, I like my name. <laughs> I'm gonna call my thing Joby too. Yeah, I bet you his nickname is Joby. Probably right? Joby, Joe Ben. Yeah, Joe Ben. That makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I don't think. I don't know. Would you get on one of those? No, I wouldn't. I, I don't like the idea. I mean, of I it. just see how the uh, the self driving cars in San Francisco are all like yeah. stopped up, and I'm like, heck no. Yeah, I don't want to be up in the air. <laughs> I want to be stuck in the air while yeah. it's malfunctioning. So. I don't know. It's probably not self-driven at this point. Who knows, though? You may, you're probably right about that. Um, all right, we're talking about celebrating the holidays. They did a new survey, survey of 2,000 U.S. adults, and found that um, people are going to be celebrating the holidays twice. This usually means going to each member of the household's individual families, something that has increased slightly over the past decade. So 84% plan to travel an hour or more for at least some holidays. 60% plan to take their pet along. What else are they? They got this. Fifty-five percent plan to celebrate Thanksgiving. Seventy plan to celebrate with uh, Christmas Day. Thirty percent will set the table for Friendsgiving instead, in order to save on holiday spending this year. More Americans will cut down on the number of gifts and find more affordable lodging compared to last year. So, what's Friendsgiving? Friendsgiving. So, like when we've done it in the past, is that just Thanksgiving with friends? Yeah, but it's before the 